funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this three, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling it's the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we usually do. What is going on, Bryant? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we're three days away as of this recording from March Madness tipping off, which is the best time in the sports world, in my opinion. And I think we're nine days away from the NBA trade deadline. So, uh... Things are coming fast and furious if you are a fan of a uh, struggling NBA team right now. <laughs> so I'm doing great. It's total season of Zen mode right now. Definitely, yeah. The plan is to talk about, uh, do this episode as a total trade primer. Like you said, we are nine days away at the time of recording here. But just real quick to get some news out of the way. Um, in Sacramento's most recent game against the Charlotte Hornets, which games against the Charlotte Hornets seem to just be cursed for some reason, <laughs> um, Marvin Bagley did fracture his left hand. It, the reporting is the fourth metacarpal um, in his left hand against the Hornets. It was really some freak um, accident. They showed the injury a couple times, and I think he was running through a screen. It was pretty reminiscent to, I want to say, Gordon Hayward did the same thing last season. Um, there's no official timeline at the moment, but judging just based off previous injuries, which, you know, is hard to do. I think it's somewhere between like three to six weeks, mm -hmm. um, which is a pretty wide range. And I believe we only have about eight and a half weeks left in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tough situation for Bagley, obviously. Absolutely. It it stinks for him. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about his up and down season. Um, I I don't know that this really changes all that much for Sacramento. I mean, it clearly does on a rotation basis because the Kings just don't have that many big men. Um, maybe it leads to Robert Woodard getting a bunch of time. We can hope. Um, but it sucks for Bagley. Like, even as he had good and struggling games, he clearly – was always engaged. He was clearly doing his damnedest to um, be out there and fight with his teammates. And, uh, you know, no young player should have to have their career defined by injuries. And Bagley's career totally has been to this point. So sucks for him. Um, all the best wishes. Hope to see him back out on the court this season. Um, but uh, like you said, if the Kings are really – out of the playoff hunt at that point and uh, have gone full retooling mode, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they just kind of coasted to the end of the year, um, which sucks because it's just another end to a 
uh, injury-riddled season for Bagley. Definitely. Um, yeah, not much else to say on that. Definitely feel for Bagley, especially to have, you know, it's not the same injury that he keeps having or anything like yeah. this. There was that, like, foot sprain that I guess was bothering him a couple times over, but this is just something completely different, a freak accident. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely very rough for Marvin Bagley having played a total of 37 games this season. Um, obviously, it would be great to see him out there getting more development. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't have all too much else to say on it. I'll say Woodard's timeline, the earliest he could be reevaluated is the 22nd um, Monday. So hopeful for that one as well here. And, um, yeah, I think unless you have anything else on it, we can just move into the meat of the episode today. Uh, I did note that uh, the injury report for the Kings at the Wizards, which is tomorrow, uh, has uh, Robert Woodard as questionable. Oh. So, so maybe we see him sooner rather than later, which would be great, especially for you, the captain of the Woodard bandwagon. So, uh, yeah, Woodard watch. Let's hope that turns around because Lord knows they. Woodard watch. Yeah, Lord knows they need a guy with his skill set right now. Definitely. Um, yeah, like I said, though, the meat and potatoes of this episode is going to be a full trade primer headed into the deadline, which takes place on March 25th here. And let's just start out with, I mean, Harrison Barnes is the talk of the town. There's some very mixed reporting. You know, I think about a week ago, Sam Amick was telling us, on a podcast, he'd be surprised if a deal didn't get done. And then as of late, uh, there's a piece in The Athletic that I'll kind of quote a little bit here. He, he wrote a couple paragraphs on Barnes and uh, notable parts is, quote, as it turns out, the king's level of motivation on this front, being Barnes, isn't nearly as high as many may have believed. While this is most assuredly a gap year, the combination of Barnes' play and his declining play um, is such that it will take a significant offer to pry him away. And the King's ability to remain competitive, it seems, will be a factor in the decision. I, okay, so I, I guess... I hate I, that last part. Yeah, me too. To get through the rest of the quote real quick before we break it down, he says, translation, a combination of late first-round draft picks and young players like the ones wearing green in Boston, it appears, likely wouldn't be enough to get it done. The Kling, uh yeah. Does that mean the Barnes won't get moved? Never say never, but it seems the Kings are holding on to Barnes a little tighter than expected here. What do you what do you make of this when you first read this? Well, first off, this is exactly what I want to read from my general manager nine days before the trade deadline when your player is one of the most discussed dudes on the trade market. Um if if Amick was again quoting, oh the Kings are absolutely going to move Harrison Barnes, a trades many a trade is clearly in the works. I'd be kind of disappointed. Um, you know, uh, it, it it's definitely smokescreen season. Um, while Sam Amick is totally in the top tier of NBA reporters, I got to think that even he's been giving smokescreens, especially considering how he's cha- how his reporting here has changed over the last week. Um. Monty McNair clearly holds his cards close to the best. Uh, and honestly, that's why I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat begging for King's rumors like so many of our King's faithful do. Because um, Lord knows I'm going to take anything I read this month with massive skepticism. 
Um, I don't know how McNair is going to approach this trade deadline other than he's not going to make a move to make a move. But this is what I want to read before the trade deadline, aside from the part about, well, maybe they'll keep Barnes to stay competitive, which to me is just it, – it, it's a complicated point. I wouldn't be totally upset if the Kings don't make a major move. I do want them to make moves. I would love to see them trade Harrison Barnes for some young players and a first-round pick. Like, to me, Boston's trade offer, which is, you know, clearly the most discussed trade option here, makes sense. If it's a young player or two and a first-round pick, that makes sense to me. Um, But I also like that Monty McNair is out there saying that 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 level offer isn't going to get it done. Um, so it's a it's a catch twenty two at this point, <laughs> honestly, uh, and it's clear smoke screen season. I won't believe a trade until it happens, um, yeah. and I'm not going to get that upset about what I'm reading from anybody at this point. Um, aside from the idea of the Kings might not trade Harrison Barnes because they want to stay competitive, if the Kings don't trade Harrison Barnes because they don't get what Monty McNair considers a good trade offer. That I totally understand. Don't trade just to make a trade. But don't not trade Harrison Barnes because you want to compete. This team is not going to be really competitive for that 10th seed. And even if they make the play-in tournament, they're not making the playoffs. All they would be doing is setting themselves back for future. I know we all want this team to be competitive, but this is not the year to do it. And, uh, yeah, I hope the Kings don't trade Harrison Barnes just to make a deal. But Lord knows, I would definitely be fine taking Boston's offer if it's just a young player or two in a first. Yeah, and and we'll get into Boston's offer pretty quick here since that seems like the likely candidate, even though all this is happening. To me, um, the way I took this is Ange isn't offering enough. And Monty's going to play hardball. And I, what I a think surprise. I know, right? And I think that's absolutely what he should be doing, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't take this as, oh, wow, now Barnes isn't going to get moved. And ju- because that's being said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, like you're saying, this is this is smokescreen season, really. Um, and, yeah, there was also reporting from uh, Tim Bontemps, who – got some quotes from scouts and executives around the league. And uh, the quote is, if I if I had to guess Barnes on Barnes, I would say he doesn't get traded, says an East scout. My sense is they'll keep him, said a West executive. But if someone throws a Robert Covington-style package at them, meaning multiple first-round picks, you have to think about it. Um, I want to ask you, because we're going to get into, and, and I think we could just do it now here, ranking the Boston assets. How do you feel about just multiple firsts. I want to say the mock um, trade deadline by the dunked on guys was just two first round picks. And while, you know, Boston doesn't have the most entertaining or interesting assets uh, of young players currently on their roster, I really don't know how interested I am in like a 2022 second rounder. Like I know I'm focused on the future, but it's also the near future with this team. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't know, like, obviously you, it's still nice to have no matter, um, but multiple first round picks. Sure. It's nice, but multiple mid 20 first rounders. I, I just don't know how much I care about a 2022 second. Like I'd rather take some of these younger assets that Boston has. You mean the 2022 first, right? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, if if Monty McNair traded Harrison Barnes for Boston's next two draft pick, first round draft picks, I wouldn't be upset by any means. Um, but I would definitely be more disappointed than if they traded Harrison Barnes for Aaron Nee Smith, uh, one of Grant Williams or Romeo Langford and the 2021st. Because I mean, half of the benefit of Boston's 2021 first round pick right now is that they're what are they at right now in terms of uh let's see here they're not in 18th they're 18th yeah so so like half the benefit right now is not that they're like 27th or something right um and the covington deal also was uh pick 16 from portland and a 2021 first yeah and and you know Portland in the West was never going to be great enough that the next year's pick was a late first. I think that if Boston made the move for Harrison Barnes and then had a whole off season to do more tinkering and stuff, they could definitely be back in the conversation for contender, which could make that 2022 first a lot less valuable than Aaron Neesmith or uh, Robert Williams to me. So probably do it. Wouldn't love it. With you know, yeah. reasons to reasons for either side. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And I, I think let's um let's rank these assets between Aaron Neesmith, Robert Williams slash Time Lord, uh, Romeo Langford, a 2021 first, a 2022 first, and Grant Williams. Um, the reason I don't include Peyton Pritchard and tell me if you think I'm wrong for this, I explained it kind of on the podcast I did with Adam recently was I feel like Boston is going to value Pritchard more than Sacramento will. Um, I I don't see him as like a, I I see him as a pretty low floor player, even though he's been, he's been good this year and it would be, I mean, Sacramento needs a backup point guard at some point, but I think he's an impact player right now. Um, not massive impact or anything like that, but I think he's a rotation player right now, and I think that is more valuable to Boston than it is to Sacramento. So for that reason, I think the asset doesn't make that much sense. I agree with you. I think Boston's definitely going to value Peyton Pritchard more than Sacramento will. Um, so I'm fine not having him in this conversation because, honestly, I, I would just just a hunch that he has not come up very much in conversations for that exact reason. Um, so if anybody missed that episode uh, you did a week ago with your buddy Adam Taylor, go listen, because I fully admit that I've watched a fraction of the Celtics games that Adam has. Um, so my order here is definitely going to be less uh, educated than his. But for me, my order of most valuable asset to least valuable asset for me would be Aaron Smith at the top, I think he fits Sacramento's needs. I think he fits a positional need for Sacramento. This team can always use more shooting. Um, Robert Williams is a clear second. I really do think that he'd be an excellent 
uh, either bench big moving forward or future starter, depending on what they do with their current bigs moving forward. And then third for me would be the uh, 2021 first round pick. Um, I do think that Boston's going to plateau in that early 20 range. And to me, I think I'd rather have that shot and be in the conversation for uh, let's see who's currently in that range. Uh, you know, Greg Brown, Kai Jones, um, maybe if Josh Christopher, or Cameron Thomas, if you are of a certain mindset about how this team needs scores moving forward. Um, Romeo Langford is fourth for me. I know you and Adam are both real big believers. Uh, I never was even coming out of college and his injur- injuries over the last two years have just kind of scared me to the point where I don't know that I'd value his asset as much as either Boston or you Boston fans would. So he's third, fourth. Uh, and then last for me would be Grant Williams, which sucks because I was very high in Grant Williams coming out of the draft. But if uh, Grant Williams can't carve a meaningful role in Boston, considering the Celtics' big needs for stabilizing forwards right now, I'm just not sure how he's going to help Sacramento moving forward. Yeah, I think we have the same order, except I would prefer Romeo over the 2022 first. I um, would, too. I would, too. Okay. Boy, yes. I am surprised that you don't have Romeo above the uh, 2020 first. Well, because, like you're saying, where it's at this year, you know, mid, early, I guess early 20s, it is pretty valuable. Um, I do really like the upside swing of Langford, and a lot of it is taking into account the um, – the finances of it that they would be the 2021 first round pick would be locked down for an additional um, Lankford would be going into his third year when that first rounder is just starting his contract. Um, so he would be under Very true. Sacramento um, control for a, a three additional seasons. Um, so that that's, what's more appealing to me there. And yeah, the Lankford situation is obviously tricky because while the injuries are scary, I think it also, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, you haven't gotten an opportunity to see what he is. So potentially there's something there that people just haven't gotten the opportunity to fully see yet, um, but obviously risky. Um, yeah, my order is Neesmith, Time Lord, my clear tier one. Um, second tier, I have the 2021 first, Romeo Langford, the 2022 first. And then dead last, I got Grant Williams. Um, I would love Grant Williams as a throw-in. I will say like if I'm Monty, like, I'm, Oh yeah, I'm really being stubborn and like asking, no, you like, once we have the deal set, no, you have to throw in Grant Williams too. Um, <laughs> and exactly. I like, he's a very high IQ player, extremely high IQ player. Sacramento does not have enough of those guys. Um, the issue is. And the Kings need young locker room, leads, which he definitely is. Definitely. And, uh, the issue is that he's kind of the definition of a tweener. Um, I, I know Adam and, and other people in Boston media think he might be most ideal as a five, but he's definitely undersized for that position. And a lot of that has to do with um, he, he's very much a help defender and making proper rotations there. But uh, yeah, six six, and it's not like he has a wingspan of Draymond Green or anything like that, and uh, yeah, a lot of it has to do with he doesn't quite have the lateral quickness to really work, ideally, as a four on the perimeter. 
So, yeah, um, some concerns there. But what sort of deal – is it kind of what you said, if there's one of these guys in a first-rounder, like one of Neesmith or Time Lord in a first-rounder, you're good? Uh, I would love for them to add Grant Williams in as the filler there. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, the answer is yeah. Um, I, I'm going to prioritize taking a step back this season getting a top five pick and moving forward with a younger core, uh, Aaron Neesmith, and hopefully a decent rotation player uh, with that 2021 first, uh, especially since it also clears the salary to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. Because we do have to acknowledge that at some point, keeping Barnes and Buddy means it's going to be much, much harder to re-sign Rashawn Holmes next year. So um, that's a fine deal to me. It's one I would do. Um, I want to go outside of of a trade concept for a second and mention something. Um, I want to talk about the idea of trading, not trading the vets with the concept of you don't want to make De'Aaron Fox upset with the front office or upset with the direction of the team, because I see a lot of Kings fans using that as the argument against trading the veterans. Like is De'Aaron Fox going to be upset if they take a step back? Um, first off, I'm a hundred percent sure that if Monty McNair was going to take a rebuilding approach this year, he fully informed Fox of the direction early in the season, but let's pretend for a second that De'Aaron Fox would be mad if they traded one of Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, or Rashawn Holmes. Um, I was listening to the newly released Tampering podcast uh, through the Athletic Network, where Sam Amick gave his Harrison Barnes update. Uh, And Anthony Slater made the best counterargument for the idea that you should make moves to keep newly re-signed stars happy. Last season, the Timberwolves wanted to make Carl Anthony Towns, who had four years left on his deal, they wanted to make him happy. So they traded Andrew Wiggins and this year's first for his good buddy, D'Angelo Russell. Um, The mistake of the trade was obvious at that moment. They're not good this year. That pick is going to be really high. And the Warriors made out like freaking bandits. Um, D'Angelo Russell has not vaulted them out of the NBA basement. And I mean, Slater's point was it's better to make your franchise player upset in the short term rebuild like you need to do and try your damnedest to make your team promising and in the right direction when that player has two years left on his deal. Um, As opposed to what the Timberwolves did, make shitty moves to try to make Carl Anthony Towns happy and then be frustrated when your team is still shitty in two years. Um, So keeping Buddy and Barnes, assuming that there are no good that there are good deals left on the table. Let's be careful. Keeping them as opposed to trading them for good deals is the shitty move, in my opinion. Um, and where when this team has gone nowhere meaningful in two years, will be in a lot worse place with both the roster construction and with De'Aaron Fox than if we just bottomed out this year, grabbed a top five pick in the 2021 draft, and moved forward with a youth rebuild. So um, I, I'm seeing a lot of Kings fans trying to push the, well, this team should always be 
trying to move the culture forward and make De'Aaron Fox happy with the direction of the team. And I really think that prioritizing making the playoffs this year is a mistake, both for keeping De'Aaron Fox happy in the future and for the actual construction of this roster. Well said. I'm definitely with you. And I I think the part you mentioned of, you know, I'm sure Fox was informed that this was the plan, if this is the way McNair pitched in, the reason he was hired. And, I mean, from all accounts and everything, I can tell De'Aaron Fox is a very smart basketball IQ. And I think that comes in the long term. De'Aaron Fox rattles off stats off the top of his head ridiculously. I I think De'Aaron Fox is such a nerd when it comes to basketball that he understands the long-term future of a team. And I think that he understands just as much as Mike Nair does what the impact of a top-five guy in this draft is. It wouldn't surprise me Fox is looking at, uh, you know, these upcoming draft prospects the same way that we are and understanding (laughs) the impact that that would have for him moving forward. Um, Yeah. And I'll say absolute worst-case scenario – De'Aaron Fox is just starting a ridiculous deal that I think he's worth. He, it may be a little bit of an overpay, who knows, but it's not a bad deal. Um, and I think absolute worst case, if you get to a point where Fox wants out, then you have Halliburton, whatever top sort of eight-ish pick this year, let's say, and then you just get a bunch of assets for De'Aaron Fox. Obviously, it's not the ideal situation. I love Fox. I want him to be the long-term leader of this team. I think that is still very much likely the case. Um, But, you know, if we're talking absolute worst case, like, what? You just get a really good return for De'Aaron Fox. And No, I'm not not on board with this. (laughs) I don't want to go down that dark road of De'Aaron Fox demands a trade. (laughs) It's too deep, and I don't think it happens, like I said. But I, I think... Point is, I'm very much with you. I, I don't think that you make m- moves right now thinking, oh my God, we have to keep Fox happy. And, and there's been no inclination of him being, you know, distressed right now or anything. I think he's frustrated a little bit with, you know, play on the court. But I, again, I, I think he understands. Yeah. I really hope that the whispers we've read throughout this month of the Kings still want to be competitive are just smoke screens. Because, I mean, this team ain't making the playoffs. And even if you try to prioritize moves, um, I think it was in the tampering podcast where Amick or one of the other writers mentioned, like the Kings want to make moves to keep their fans interested as if Kings fans are ever going to turn off the freaking TV, even if we're the worst team in the goddamn league. Um, like this is the year to do a harsher rebuild. Don't, don't just skip over that. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Yeah, the the uh, quote that I skipped over in the AMIC piece that I was going to hold off for a little while, but we can get to it now. Uh, quote, and the Kings, or no, I'm sorry, the Kings are clearly still pondering the possibility of adding the kind of impact piece that they believe would put them in the playoff mix. I don't exactly know who they would be talking about. Um, the 10th seed is technically the playoff mix. And Sacramento's three and a half games behind that. So it's not out of the picture. Um, But I definitely don't think it's something you would be chasing. I think, you know, the two ideas of um, impact pieces right now or or players that make you better in the current moment 
would be John Collins, Aaron Gordon, who still like somewhat yeah. fit that younger timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both have their own concerns and they both are more short term. Um, I talk, I talked about, you know, Boston's 2021 first being more valuable because there's more team control on that for a longer amount of time than Langford. Um, you're very much on the other end of that with John Collins, Aaron Gordon compared to getting first rounders in return for some of these guys um, where Collins is just about to start a deal where I'm under the impression he's going to get overpaid. He just turned down about $22.5 million annually over four years. Um, and Aaron Gordon is on a deal right now as well where once he ends that, there's no guarantee he ends up staying in Sacramento. So you're really making your timeline three, four years with these guys. Um, and that's just not a situation that I really want to be in, especially when it comes to you know giving up one of these guys where you could instead get a first rounder in return or younger assets in return on rookie deals. Um, to acquire any of those two players. I disagree with you to an extent. Um, if the Kings are going to make a move to try and get better right now, I do hope it's for a guy in the mold of John Collins or Aaron Gordon, where you may be getting better right now, but you're also getting somebody who can be a future player, uh, as opposed to Andre Drummond. Or some, yeah. like, Drummond is my nightmare trade target. Absolute nightmare trade target. Um, I see the argument for John Collins. I know our buddy Tim Maxwell is a huge John Collins proponent. I agree with you that I don't think his contract is going to be worth the player that you're getting back. Because Lord knows, I mean, he's got a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses that we've debated for years with Marvin Bagley. Um, and I've never been a huge fan of trying to build your big man core around that type of player. Um, but if he comes here, he's just 23. He's going to clearly be a priority moving forward. He fits the fast offensive game style of De'Aaron Fox without crowding the paint. There's reasons to like that upside. And honestly, if it was John Collins and you know you have to overpay him moving forward or the package that Boston's offering, I think I'd probably take John Collins because of all those assets, I think he is clearly the most talented piece and help this team. But I get the debate. It's still a debate to me. Honestly, to me, Aaron Gordon is kind of a great middle ground between wanting to stay young and wanting to try and win a couple more games right now. Because I think everything in Aaron Gordon's career has been hampered by the team construct that was built around him. I think he fits really well with a high-tempo team that's going to thrive in transition. He's never played with a point guard like De'Aaron Fox. I mean, honestly, I don't think they've had a point guard in his entire career, pretty much. Um. He he's definitely getting paid less than John Collins. Uh, I think he's making 20 million average in the next couple of years, the next two years. So it's not like it's a um, super cheap contract by any means. But I also don't think it would be especially hard to re-sign him if this team is looking promising at the end of his contract. Like he's from San Jose. It, it's not out of the question that Sacramento is a squad that he'd like to stay with moving forward. Um, 
So if Aaron Gordon comes along, I don't think he's going to make this team so great that they make the playoffs. Um, he definitely might take, keep them out of the top five conversation, which makes it a debate to me. But I also think that he is the exact kind of veteran that I would like to see Monty McNair go for. Yeah, I mean, if if you are making win-now-ish trades, those are the guys you go after. Uh, that's yeah. that's I'm not arguing against that for sure. Like, I think there is a debate to be had. Um, but, you know, for, for Collins specifically, because Collins is still on his rookie-scale deal, um, you really would have to be sending a first-rounder. And that's yeah. where I'm lost. You know, you have to talk about what protections we're doing here. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, like, top eight, top ten, and is Atlanta really doing that in Sacramento's current position? You know, then you're really just talking about a 2022 first rounder. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I just don't know that I would want Sacramento to give up Sacramento is going first. to have the deal. Yeah. Yeah, and then for Gordon, I mean, like, I don't hate Barnes for Gordon. Like that, I'd be that, happy with that. That does work straight up. I'd be happy with that. I think I would too. Um, yeah, I, I definitely. But it, it doesn't help your situation of um, what do you do with Holmes this off season? It saves you about four million in money. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't mind Gordon, um, but I don't think that like Barnes would be what Orlando's looking for um, in returns not. for Gordon. Potentially, like maybe there's something there. Um, but yeah, just anybody but Andre Drummond, please. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. If if you're doing win now moves, those are the two guys. Like the anybody <laughs> else, yeah. like don't talk to me about giving up an asset for PJ Tucker for like you're saying Andre Drummond. Um, or Victor Oladipo, yes. who would just leave. Yeah, I, one one year does nothing for me. Yeah, that, that that's where I'm at with that. I, I definitely am more interested in guys that are un- going to be under team control for a longer period of time than that. Um, and, you know, other deals that have, you know, maybe been mentioned at times for Barnes, the other teams, the two that really stand out to me are Miami and Denver. Um, that I, I've heard maybe mentioned a little bit in the Miami package would really just be centered around Precious Achua. Um, and if you're talking about, you know, and then matching salary would have to be like Kelly Olenek, Mo Harkless. Um, um, breaking news uh, related to this exact conversation. The Heat and Thunder are discussing a trade that would send Trevor Ariza to Miami. So maybe the Heat just think, all right, well, we've got our, or forward depth for the playoffs. Maybe this changes their calculus. Um, but the concept of the deal, as you introduced it, being precious and filler contracts, uh, I mean, let's admit the filler contract there is a certain uh, dude who should not be on an NBA team right now. Well, I think the filler actually be, could be Kelly Olenek and Mo Harkless. Oh. Okay. Because well. I, I made sure, yeah, that I that he who shall not be named was not included on this. Isn't Kelly Olenek starting for them now and has been starting in their recent successful run? Yeah. Um I think that he has started to become a NBA rotation player again here. Um Oh yeah. I forget that you would know all about Kelly Olenek. 
Mr. Boston. He would did. too, wasn't he, Gonzaga? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was part of the Gonzaga teams when St. Mary's was still very competitive with them. So I'm not sure I could stomach that one, but. I just came to grips today that I'm definitely going to have uh, Jalen Suggs in my top five and that I'd totally be fine seeing him on Sacramento. So maybe I'm slowly getting over my Gonzaga hatred. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're probably right. You know, they probably would not want to include Olenek in there. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, in theory, like he's playing, my understanding is Olenek's playing a lot at the four. Barnes just takes all the Olenek minutes. Yeah. I like the move if it's um, Precious Achua maybe first in there. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. They have their 2022nd first. They don't have yeah, their first. I mean, it's the same point at that point where we were talking about with Boston with Miami's probably going to be just fine if they trade for Harrison Barnes and they're probably going to be a late 20s round in 20s pick. But uh, mm-hmm. at that point, you're just swinging for the fences on Precious Achua, which is the exact kind of retooling move I would like to see them do. So, You like Neesmith better than Precious, right? Yes. Yeah. I admit, that, I mean, neither of us were uh, Precious dudes in the draft. I kind of was a Precious guy. I kind of was a Precious oh, were you? oh, that's right. Yeah. You were the one Precious I was, guy. I was kind of the Precious guy, yeah. All right, but well, I'll put it to was, you. Yeah. Which one would you rather have? Yeah, I definitely like Precious, but my take on him was very much that the developmental situation for him matters more than most players. I think like if Vlade Divac looked at Precious Achua, he would look at him and think he's a three. And that would terrify me because I'm pretty sure he's a five. Um, So he just needs to be cast in the right way, and maybe Sacramento could be the team to do that. But I think when it comes to Precious versus Neesmith, I think they're close enough that – the TPE that trading Barnes into Boston along with the first-round pick being this year compared to next makes the Boston deal more appealing to me Um, because, like I said, Sacramento would get their own traded player exception from trading Barnes into Boston's player exception. Um, And I think just those small... That's not confusing. Right? Those small details, (laughs) I think, are enough to swing me towards the Neesmith deal. Um, So I I think they're pretty comparable as prospects. Um, Also, you know, wings are just typically more valuable than big men. Um, So, yeah, I I think that it's close enough that those those minor details of the Boston deal would make me lean that way. I would agree with you. And I'm saying that as a guy who values Aaron Neesmith over Precious Achua. So. Yeah. And then where do you throw, uh, if Denver were to get involved here, there's Gary Harris as a match for expiring, um, expiring money match. The prospect would be Zeke Naji and a first-round pick, who, you know, some people think, I think Zeke was a little bit of a stretch taken in the first round where he was for Denver. But he's looked pretty promising. Like I, I, I I'm interested in Zeke Naji. Um, but what do you, what do you think? Is that uh, is it safe to say that's the last one on this list between the three? You know, there's some, there's some value, and Gary Harris is probably the best player of the fillers that we've mentioned. Um, and Lord knows this Kings team needs defensive players, so. I do see some value in that. Uh, I know there's a bunch of people out there who are really high on Zeke Naji. 
Um, I think I would still have that at the last deal of the three that we've talked about. I think I'd probably put it Boston, Miami, Denver. But any one of those deals makes fantastic sense for Sacramento, honestly. Yeah. And and actually, I was wrong about Gary Harris. He has this season and one more remaining after that. Um, and, and maybe. Oh. I mean, he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he's. He does help the team in a position of need. He does. Um, Yeah, he does. That position being bench defensive talent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, right, but how valuable is that for next year, you know? Um, Not more than the trade exception that Boston would get, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you. Um, if I were to rank the three, it would be Boston, Miami, Denver, because really what it comes down to is, um, kind of ranking Neesmith, Precious, and and Zeke Naji, kind of. I, I mean, there's more to it, but if you want to talk about it in maybe the simplest terms possible, um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would go in that order. I'd go Boston, Miami as the clear one, two, and then Denver, um, definitely at the end there, and. Maybe there's some other random name that ends up getting thrown in here, but it's definitely hard for teams to make matching salary, um, you know, ideally expiring, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still tend to think, and I'm not sourced in any way, obviously, that the Boston deal um, ends up getting done before the deadline. I, I think that, you know, Boston's in a situation where, they are kind of backed into a corner and maybe feeling a little bit desperate to make some moves with this player exception. And Barnes makes a lot of sense. He'd be on the exact same timeline as Kemba Walker for them. Um, I think the additional years that he has is kind of being undermentioned as how valuable that would be to Boston. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it just makes a lot of sense. And I would still guess that that ends up happening, something like Neesmith in a first. Yeah. That's my guess, too. Yeah, and uh, I'll say, so if if all that happened, or let's let's get to Bielitsa as well, because I feel like Bielitsa is the other one that is pretty obvious to be moved, yeah. right? And, and He's also teams, easier, less complex deals. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that most of the winning teams in the league get enough salary in there to hit – Nemanja's seven million dollar um, contract. Yeah, it's a little more money than I think what would be like very easy for most teams, but I think a good handful of them could totally make it work. And the teams we've heard him linked to um, from Shams is what I see is Philadelphia, Miami, Golden State, Milwaukee, and Boston. Um, and I'll just say with Boston. I think it's interesting because you just package him with Barnes is where that would happen in my mind. And, you know, like, I mean, if if that's leading to you getting, you know, I, I mean, there's more salary that would have to come back from Boston's point of view to make it work. But, you know, if your return is Neesmith, Romeo, Grant, and... I don't know if also the first is too much there. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel Romeo Neesmith Grant for Barnes and Bielitsa? I'd rather, well, I know you need 
those two dudes in there to make the salaries work. So costing the first, which we both value more than Romeo uh, or Williams, would be a, certainly a debate. Um, I don't know. I'd probably do that just just to make the just to go for the retooling. But uh, it's definitely a debate if there were other options that could then make the first yeah. uh, added to the deal. Right. Yeah, it makes the it makes the salary a little bit more tricky because Boston can only take about 19.8 million, I believe it is, just under 20 million before they reach the hard cap even though their TPE is about 26, 28, I want to say. Um but they only can take about just under 20 million. So they would have to include more money in Neesmith and Romeo of all the assets we talked about are the ones making the most since they were both um late lottery or right outside of it. Um yeah, and and maybe, you know, if, if Romeo's added, that means that Ainge doesn't want to include a first. So I think that the way that it would work with Boston is if you can throw um if you can throw Bielita in along with Barnes and that means you are getting a better deal in return, um, that is where Bielita to Boston would come in for me. Um and then there's other teams with TPEs that they could just absorb Bielitsa into, which I think is interesting. And the popular one you hear is Miami, um, which maybe this Miami trade that you were just mentioning is potentially being talked about, um, which I'm actually having trouble finding. Maybe that is them using their 7.5 million TPE. Um, but if not, that is enough to take... Um, Nemanja Bialica into and really I mean like if, if you're just getting a second rounder for Bialica it's fine right like that's 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 fine asset management Bialica is a non-factor on this team and I think just just getting something for him in return is good like I would love just a second rounder yeah I agree with you um I, I'm not gonna put a high price tag on Nemanja Bialica at this point um whatever uh, Monty McNair can get for him, I absolutely think would just be a, a smart move at this point. Yeah, the other teams, uh, Philly, or I'll say Miami's second rounder, they have most recent second rounder, or soon, how do you say this? The the first second rounder they have um, upcoming is the worst of Philly and Denver 2020, uh, 2022 second rounder. And uh, not a great second rounder, but it would be something. Um, I think Philly is interesting. You know, Philly was the team that initially, I was going to say tried to sign Bielitsa, but like pretty much did, and then he backed out of it. Um, And he makes a lot of sense. You know, a team that really needs to up their volume of three-point shooting, and maybe we'll get to them with uh, Buddy Heald as well. But for Philly, I mean, you know, Mike Scott works his matching salary, and then they have New York's second rounder this year, which is a appealing second rounder, even though New York's played well. Um, or they have their own TPE of $8.1 million cr- created from Horford. They could just take him straight into that TPE. Um, I think Philly Philly does make a lot of sense for, for Bielitsa, but just New York's second rounder. Yeah, I agree with you. Um but if Philly wants to uh, get into a wider conversation about other players 
who might be in the Kings trading value. Uh, they also have a uh, young rookie player who uh, I think should be pretty high up on Sacramento's list. list. You mentioned how right? much I love Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> <laughs> there, I had to. I had to give his name one time per podcast. I'm contractually obligated at this point. Yeah, have I talked about my streams yet? Because I'm pretty sure that's mine. Are we talking about Woodard? <laughs> we talked about Woodard. It's one or the other. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, yeah. Robert Woodard, your dude now. Yeah, I, I'll say. You know, I think it's very obvious that like you should prefer Maxi over Thibault between the two. You know, I, I I thought that was kind of a hot take because. You know, Matisse Thibel really would fit a strong need for this team. Tyrese Maxey's going to be the better player in three years. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, and Thibel so. at times looks like unplayable because of his offense. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he definitely has a lot of development to do there. It's a guy that I would love. Don't get me wrong. Like, if we're... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, yeah. wait a second before we get to Buddy Heel trades because just to finish off the Bielita conversation, um, the other teams we've heard mentioned are Milwaukee and Golden State, and both of those are pretty complicated to make the the money work. Um, when it comes to Milwaukee, you know, I, I guess DJ Wilson spent a little bit of time thinking that he was going to be in Sacramento, um, and he's making about four point five million, but him on his own does not quite do it. There would need to be 1.3 million more coming from Milwaukee, um, which you could make it work. I mean, like, I don't know if, if they're allowed to trade Giannis's brother, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, just expiring filler salary to throw in there as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I might prefer, I don't know. Where do you stand with the second rounders compared to an expiring DJ Wilson going into restricted? I would rather have a second rounder. Yeah, I'm the same as you. Um, uh, Warriors are even more complicated. I'm trying to figure out how in the heck the Warriors could even. Do I couldn't. This. I have no clue. I have no clue how it would work. The, the I have T- no clue. Yeah, no. the TPE like, have are like there's Willie Cauley signs that's 2.1 million, I guess, um, but they don't exactly have like expiring salary to work with. Um, no, that's anything above two and a half, three million. Yeah, so, I have I, no idea how how it could possibly get done here unless it's part of a larger deal to get Kelly Oubre or something. But yeah. Yeah, part of me wondered like, if the reporting was happening, you know, because if, you know, there's a chance that BLE tends up bought out because all these teams just waited out and they just wanted their name to be in the pool. That way Bielitsa was aware that they had been interested or something like this. It, it was difficult for me to figure out how to make it work in a trade. But I think, you know, it, it, it is a plus if Sacramento gets an asset in return because I think there is a real possibility that he just gets bought out, that one of these teams don't think yeah. that he's worth this second rounder because, you know, they they have a good shot at landing him. And, I mean, these are appealing destinations, Philly, Miami, Milwaukee, um, Boston, you know, maybe maybe Golden State is appealing as well. But I think that these guys have a good chance – to potentially sign him if he gets bought out. So to me, it's a positive if Sacramento is getting anything in return for Bielitsa. Yeah, and I, I think you probably agree with me that it's the same for Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Whatever, if the Kings just get a second-round pick, I'm all good for that. 
sending him to Los Angeles. I don't care. Yeah, which is apparently the rumor. If they can't get Andre Drummond, if they want Hassan Whiteside, which what a what a pool. What a what what are your options here? This yeah. is this is really something. It, yeah, the I know side, that I know that we keep getting stories out of Los Angeles, like that Marcus All hasn't been as good as the Lakers thought. So they go for Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. All right. I, I guess it. they need depth, and like the the Whiteside deal would be Dudley in a 2022 second. Um, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Sure. Like, yeah. No. Like I, I would love to get an asset in return for Whiteside because in my mind I didn't think we were going to. Um, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that is definitely where I'm at with that, and and you know I'll say same thing for for Corey Joseph. Um, oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just don't see it happening. Well, honestly, I feel bad saying this. The asset in trading Corey Joseph is not getting is not having to watch Luke Walton play Corey Joseph 20 minutes a game. Right. That but you're not stop. giving up anything to dump him, right? Yeah. No. 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 Right. Well, because you can even. His salary next year is only two million guaranteed, so don't just dump him, as in cut him. But yeah. anybody wants him? Oh yeah, you can have him. Yeah, minimal asset in return. Minimal asset for any of these three guys: Bielitsa, Whiteside, Kojo. Um, is there any other guy on the edge that I'm forgetting about? I know we have to get to Buddy here, but I think that, uh, Jabari Parker, I guess. If someone, <laughs> if someone wants something, if someone yeah. is interested in, yeah, uh, I still as, can't get long over. As he, we get an expiring contract coming back because that's yeah. Jabari Parker's value to this team is that he's an expiring contract. Right. I still can't get over Jackson Frank clipped it. His first possession as a king this year was in Chicago, you know, where he's from. But he just, it, it, it was so typical of Jabari Parker. I think he was like slipping on the floor and had a really shaky handle while he was trying to create and threw up some bad shot. It's just, it's very Jabari Parker. Um, but yeah, it, any of those guys, if you get a minimal ass in return, I think it's, it's good business from McNair. Um, I have one, uh, one naming ability to trade idea. Let's take him and his son Whiteside and send them to New York for Frank Nielakina and Ignas Brazdeskas. I love it. Done. I love it. Yeah, uh, Knicks clearly need more shooting. Um, he doesn't exactly scream a Thibodeau dude, but uh, although Whiteside yeah. kind of does, all for it. Whiteside's kind of seems oh, like God, a Thibodeau yes. guy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, dude. Knicks, Knicks fans would be so pissed. They'd be so pissed because they're such like a Nilakina hive. Uh, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. I'm all for it. Um, the last guy, or I know you weren't here long enough to know this, but there was a moment where De'Aaron Fox was below Frank Nelkina in my 2017 draft board. The board. Only a moment, though. <laughs> the board that fell up. Clearly part about. of Nelkina. Yeah. 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 That's pretty funny. Um, and you can end up with both, you know. And, and let's just add Dennis Smith Jr. Let's just get the trio. Let's just get make it happen. <laughs> um, the other guy that's really clearly, I, I guess I shouldn't say clearly available, but I feel like probably is is Buddy Heald. Um, but it doesn't seem to be that much interest in Buddy Heald. Yeah, Sam A. Contract. Sam A. Makes squishing my my hopes and dreams of Buddy Heald. 
Field's value being higher than Kings fans expected. I uh, feel in his latest piece, he said that uh, uh, Buddy Hield is much harder to move than Harrison Barnes because of his contract. Um, you know, there's still part of me that's like, no, it's got to be a smokescreen. Some smart team is going to value Buddy Hield more than uh, than than we Kings fans who watch Buddy Hield every day do. Um, but you know. Uh, if he's still on the team next week, I do think he's the ultimate case of, well, Monty McNair didn't get what he thinks Buddy Heald is worth on the open market, so he's just going to keep him and hope that this team turns it around and that Buddy Heald starts playing better and improves his value to a smart team going forward. So, Yeah, I'll say the um, two teams that kind of stand out again are, are Denver and Philly, specifically Philly. Um, I feel like that's been linked for a while, and we've talked about, uh, again, you know, them needing to up the amount of three-point shooting that they um, that they have on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, if I talked about, you know, kind of being unsure of Matisse Leibel, but I still absolutely would love him as a return for Buddy Heald. Um, and if it's centered around, you know, Danny Green and Matisse Leibel, I, I think... Absolutely. I, I take I, that deal and yeah, run. 100%. Um, and the same reason the Sacramento takes it and run is probably why Philadelphia doesn't do it. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe there's something there, and then maybe there's yeah. something in Denver centered around um, I have a, Gary Harris or, as the matching or something like this. But, yeah, what do you got? I have one. Uh, I can think of another team in the West that is desperate to make the playoff push and really needs some shooting. Uh, so let's just send Buddy Hield and Corey Joseph to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., Tyrell Terry, and James Johnson. Let's do it. Let's do it and cut James Johnson yeah. immediately. <laughs> I even have on my notes James Johnson, who gets cut immediately. It's so funny because since I'm clearly newer to Sacramento, I didn't know about that history until like I think mid last season I made a fake trade that involved James Johnson and everybody blew off on me. I was like, what is the big deal here? I was like, oh, all right, this is what happened. Yeah, pretty funny. I would love it. I'm all for it. You should go tweet at Kings fans, Spencer Hawes. Oh really? See, I'm not Go tell Kings fans that they should sign Spencer Hawes and see what happens. All right, I'm gonna have to educate <laughs> myself after this one. Exact same reason why we hate. Exact same reason we hate, hate James Johnson. Got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> I think the the one other spot that could make sense for Buddy is in Memphis. Um, I think you know they desperately need spacing to go alongside John Morant. Gorgie Dang is expiring money. Um, I don't exactly, it's definitely tricky to make it work. Like, I mean, if you can give me Gorgie Dang and DeAnthony Melton, done deal. I love DeAnthony Melton, I will say. Um, Totally my type of guy. Absolutely. I would love it. I would love it. Um, And Totally my type of the guy too. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, we, we we need a backup point guard on the roster for long stretches of uh, for the future. And yeah, I mean, crazy wingspan, defensive uh, playmaker, and then a little bit of a ball handler on the other end. I, I would I would love it. I would love it. You're pretty much going Melton for healed, and I am all for it. There's an expiring deal in Dang. Um, yeah, I think that you know there's an outside shot that a deal gets done with Buddy, 
Um, but it seems like from the reporting that we're getting, Heald's not even really being mentioned. Um, if I had to lean one way or the other, I just get the impression that Buddy doesn't get moved this deadline. But I guess we'll see. Um, but I think those are the type of deals you're talking about. You're getting a, you know, it, I, I mean, ideally, um, from Sacramento's point of view, you'd be getting some low-end, younger prospect and return the level of, like, Matisse Thibel, DeAnthony Melton or something, and those are still probably too optimistic. I think if either of those were available, they'd probably already be done. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think my Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., Tyrell Terry, James Johnson deal is pretty optimistic and revolves solely around Dallas being the team that says Buddy Heald can be fixed. Let's put him next to Luka Doncic and just make him run around the court. His contract isn't going to be that bad if he gets back to what he was two years ago. But that does require the Mavericks to really take a hard look at his um, current play and believe that they can be the one that turn it around. So um, I agree with you. I don't think Buddy Heald gets moved anymore. I was pretty much the optimistic guy thinking some team will try to buy him low. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to see. It wouldn't surprise me if, if, if one or all of Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Nemanja Bielitz are gone, or if they're all still here next week. It's very much all up in the air. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, yeah, for Heal, they definitely would take a team being desperate of sorts, I feel like. And, and like you said, looking at him and saying, well, Sacramento's misutilizing him. We can get him back to um, what he was probably two years ago. And um, I, I mean, I actually think that's that's a decent argument for other front offices, but you definitely have to, um, you know, it's a little bit of a risky bet there. And then the one other guy um, is Rashawn Holmes. And I think that obviously where this is tricky is um, we don't know. I, I think where I am is if you know that Holmes is going to be out of your ideal price range this off offseason, um, then you should try to get something for him right now. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's just taking – you just have to do your research in advance. You have to kind of be gauging and getting a feel for where you feel like he's at, um, where he's going to be at this off season. and. I don't fully understand, and, you know, at some point I'm going to have Tim on here, I I think, recently to fully explain the cap situation. Um, But my impression is they kind of have to get rid of one of Heald or Barnes in order to retain Holmes. Is that your understanding of it also? Yes, that Um, is my understanding. Yeah. So I I think that, you know, that there is a slight pressure on, on Sacramento to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you can figure it out, um, if you're really like desperate to keep homes in this off season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that if you are talking about a deal for homes, it's, it's one of those kind of Peyton Pritchard situations in my mind, where I think that Sacramento is going to value him more than other teams because he's going into a free agency here. And, um, you know, I, I think that if you were talking a, early 20s sort of first round picks that that could kind of be a return that you'd be talking about for Holmes. I think you would be talking a first round pick if you, if you were to put Holmes on the market. Absolutely. Yeah. Rashawn Holmes is not a dude you sell low on. Um, I say that fully agreeing with you that if Monty McNair knows that Rashawn Holmes has played his way out of what he's willing to pay Holmes this off season, 
then he should trade him. Um, I'm of the belief that Rashawn Holmes should absolutely be a long-term piece of this team, assuming that he can be re-signed to a deal that's under 15 million is my max for an annual salary. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't be looking to move him, but if he, if, if I did think that he needed to move, that he played his way out of my price range, uh, I'm not going to trade him for anything less than a decent first or a real prospect who I think can be a meaningful piece of this team going forward. My evaluation of, uh, Rashawn Holmes is what I think a lot of Kings fans have for Harrison Barnes, honestly. Yeah, I would you be would you be disappointed if Holmes was moved on from, or would you just trust? Okay, he must be out of the price range. Depends on the return. It really mm-hmm. does. If, if I mean, if he's in, if if he's traded for an expiring contract and a late first, I would be disappointed. Um, but yeah, like you said, I it I will understand any Rashawn Holmes trade with the concept of he's played his way out of Monty McNair's price range. And if there's anything I am sure about with Monty McNair is that he has very strong uh, ideas of what his players are worth on the open market. So, you know, at some point you just have to put blind faith in a dude and uh, until Monty McNair proves otherwise, I trust him and trust his evaluation at this point. Yeah, I think um, you know when when I had the Toronto cover, um, Lewis Satsman on here. He definitely mentioned Toronto as an interesting spot for um, for Rashawn Holmes, but I think Toronto's season has maybe not quite gone as expected. That maybe there's a chance they're sellers. Um, wow, they're actually at the ninth best odds right now. That's insane. Um, wow. That's crazy. I, I did not realize that was the case. And and they're they're close. Yeah. You know, the the race in the East is still very much up in the air. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm definitely not saying, I, I think there is definitely a chance that Holmes gets moved on from, I, I would say that, um, I don't know if I'm expecting it, but I don't know that I'd be shocked either. Like, I, I think that it's, you know, there's, there's probably a reason it's not being talked about. Same with the buddy healed thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe if it comes down to, all right, well, we're really not going to get what we what we want in return for Harrison Barnes. Um, there's no offers for Buddy Heald. Then, you know, maybe maybe they do. The next one you would look at probably is Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, there's definitely going to be a point where Kings have to clear one of these three guys for next season, and uh, we can all hope it's not Rashawn Holmes, but Mm-hmm. It might be. I think I've asked you before, if it was just a straight dump for Buddy Heald, which I don't have that exact trade in front of me, um, but say nothing but expiring contracts coming back, would you would you do that if it meant that's what you had to do to keep Rashawn Holmes? <laughs> it's so hard because it's really a balancing act between I don't want to just dump Buddy Heald for nothing because I think that there is a opportunity for him to return to his value of two years ago. Um, but if it's Buddy Heald or Rashawn Holmes and the guns to my head, I'm picking Rashawn Holmes yeah. pretty easily. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I will say that there is, a, there is one deal for Rashawn Holmes that I came up with 
that I know a whole bunch of Kings fans are not going to like. Um, so let's say the Chicago Bulls want to be a playoff team. Wendell Carter for Rashawn Holmes fits perfectly. Um, and I know I may be the only dude outside of Chicago who still believes in Wendell Carter, but I would love to be the team that buys his value when it's this low. I think his development was irrevocably derailed by Jim Boyland, and I think a fresh start might really make Wendell Carter into a guy who can do a lot of what we love about Rashawn Holmes, but younger, slightly taller, and much stronger. Um, that said, he's now coming off the bench for the Bulls, so who the heck knows what they think about him as an asset. But um, to me, that's the lowest I will go in a deal for Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I am intrigued. Um, I would be very torn if that happened. Um, I, I think that, like you said, most of the fan base would be pretty upset. Um, but, you know, he, he's starting his third year. You have restricted free agency coming up, rather this unrestricted. Um, if that deal were to happen, I would look at it and say the same thing that I was saying with the other deals. Okay, well, obviously, Holmes was going to be out of their price range. Um at least that's what I would hope with that sort of deal. Um, and yes, I would very much, I could still talk myself into Wendell Carter. Um, just from Bulls covers that I keep up with a little bit, I know there's still a lot of Wendell Carter believers um, and just kind of sticking by that, like you're saying, misutilized by Boylan, not getting um, proper playing time consistently. Um, I, I could definitely talk myself into it. Um, but again, you know, the premise would have to be they understand they're not going to keep Holmes this offseason. Um, I agree with you, um, and I hope that he is their priority moving forward of these three players, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Let me go through. Uh, we, Should we, we do? Uh, yeah. I have uh, Yeah, I put out a tweet that uh, threw out some – Ask people for some potential trades that we could talk about. Um, and some of them we touched on a little bit. Like, what, what do you think? I have Taylor R. McKay here. Uh, Bagley a pick for John Collins. So we kind of talked about this a little bit. I mean, I think Collins is a pretty clear upgrade over Bagley. Um, but it comes down to that pick for me. And it's the protections yeah. that are pretty difficult, right? Kind of what we talked about earlier. Yeah. The protections necessary to make that deal worthwhile to me will probably price it out of Atlanta's um, willingness to trade in there. Like, if it's a top eight protected pick, then sure, why the heck not get the better version of what you were hoping Marvin Bagley could be before all these injuries? But there's no way Atlanta's going to do that. Yeah, yeah, and Atlanta definitely seems pressured by ownership and Trey Young to – um, you know, make an impact right now. So I don't get the impression that is exactly what Atlanta would want in return. Um, yeah, unless it's, like you're saying, a, a pretty notable first-round pick this year. I, I don't think that they would want it pushed into the future, but maybe if that's the case. And even then, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm definitely a defense guy, and I'm not a fan of Collins on that end of the floor, even though he's a pretty efficient offensive player. I think he's a little bit of a tweener on the other end. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the most interested in Collins, so it's really it's going to depend on those on those protections. Um, yeah, and, and I just I agree towards not being interested in Collins because I think 
again, what we talked about earlier, I think he's going to end up overpaid decent by a good amount this offseason. And uh, maybe when we have Tim on here, we can I can ask him about that a little bit because I know he's a little bit of a fan of Collins. Um, when they just got thrown in here, um, Alex Golden, who does a blue wire pod for the Pacers, said Jeremy Lamb for Nemanja Bialica. What do you think about that? Where do you rank that among the return of potential second rounders as well? Jeremy Lamb has one more year out after this one on his deal. How how much is his contract worth? Um, I'm pulling it up here real quick. It is 10.5 million. So it is more, but it, I mean, it's enough that the deal works, but it is, uh, it is more. You know, I haven't seen any of uh, Jeremy Lamb this year. Let's see what those stats are. Uh, I mean, he's clearly a uh, backup spark plug who's shooting really well this year. Wow. That's a surprise. Um, you know, if, if over eight games, wants I to think. try oh, out and see if he's over eight games. No, never mind. Games. That's game started. Yeah, I've misread that. 22 games. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, if, if money is looking and saying, no, let's just trade Nemanja for actual bench, bench depth. Sure. He's probably worth more than a second, but the concept of a second and salary space, which you might be able to use to salvage Rashawn Holmes, uh, I think makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe if Barnes is dumped, um, or not dumped, but included in a Boston deal that maybe that makes a little bit more sense for the homes um, reasons that you alluded to there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be happy with that be a to return as long as it's not interfering with resigning homes this off season. Um, definitely better than letting them walk for nothing. I might prefer some of these second rounders like Philly second rounder that's from New York specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be mad. Um, some of these we've kind of already talked about. Patrick Burns put Barnes for Precious Achua first in matching salary, um, which we touched on. Walker here put um, mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes for Neesmith Celtics first. And then he mentioned Bielitsa for Mike Scott in the 2021 second rounder from the Knicks. Um, he says if that's all that happened at the deadline, he'd be happy with it. I am 100% in the same boat. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got here? I will say... There's a couple that um, I, I don't see as realistic. Um, there's there's one that is um, Sacramento giving up Nemanja Bielitsa and Buddy Heald, and in return they are getting – it's a four-team deal, so they're getting Nicola Melli, Alec Burks, and Kelly Oubre, um, which, you know, I mean, if your idea is Bielitsa and Heald for Oubre, I'm all for it, but uh, some of the other portions of it probably don't make much sense, like – like the Warriors giving up Kelly Oubre and a 2023 first for Lonzo Ball. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a very complicated deal. Yeah. And then also New York, the idea would be giving up Alec Burks and a second rounder for J.J. Redick. Um, maybe there's potentially something, I guess, but it, it does feel pretty in favor of Sacramento here. Yeah, the, there's no way that Sacramento gets Kelly Oubre and Nico Melli for – oh, and Alec Burke's back, by the way. Mm-hmm. Not that he's worth much, but, you know, there's no way they get Kelly Oubre for Buddy Heald and Nemanja Bielitsa. No way. Yeah. Um, What else are we missing here? We have uh, Corey Joseph and Buddy Heald for Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel. Uh Any interest in Tobias Harris, Brian? <laughs> 
Uh, you know, I've always said that uh, Tobias Harris is one of the biggest contracts in the league, and I really don't want Sacramento to be hampered by that money, but he yields not that great at salary. Uh, this would be an absolute steal for the Kings. I mean, Tobias Harris is a, a much better player, much better trading chip, especially with one more year removed from his contract, and Matisse Feibel just thrown in there for the heck of it. No way Philly does that. Philly yeah. knows that their window is right now. Tobias Harris is a much better player than Buddy Heald, even if he doesn't provide the same spacing that Buddy Heald would. No way Philly does this. They hang up the phone laughing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to get through all of them in here, there's ones that meant, there's one that mentions the Celtics getting Barnes and Heald and the Kings getting Grant Williams, Romeo Langford in a first. Does not work for salary. Um, like I said, Boston can only take slightly under $20 million in salary, and Barnes and Heal together is some $40 million plus. And then Grant Romeo are only about uh, just over five, I think, between them. Um, so that doesn't really work here. And then the very last one we have is um, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and Amanya Bielitsa to San Antonio for DeMar DeBrosen and Patty Mills. <laughs> well, uh, DeMar DeRozan is, uh, you know, he's a very solid player right now. Uh, he is the exact opposite of the kind of youthful, um, still could be a part of his team in four years guy that I think the Kings should be trading for. And there's nothing that would keep DeMar DeRozan in Sacramento next year. Nothing at all. Uh, I do love the idea of going and getting fellow St. Mary's grad, uh, Patty Mills, uh, he would be my ideal bench uh, spark plug microwave backup guard. Uh, so I like that part of the deal, but uh, no, I don't do this deal if I'm the Kings. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of it is, you know, it's just expiring money for like you're, you're kind of dumping healed, but I don't like, you know, I mean, even with Bagley's like injury concerns and development questions, I guess, um, he's definitely not a throw in in a deal. Like I, I think selling low on Bagley is still very much a mistake and this injury didn't really change anything when it comes to that in my mind. I think it's still somebody you wait and see what you have with. I agree. Yeah. You know, to close, give me a ranking of in order four guys you see from most likely to least likely or for the most likely guys to be traded. Give me your top three. Yeah. Uh, number one, I think, is Nemanja Bielica. I think he is definitely gone in some form or another. Um, I don't think the return will be pop off the page, but, you know, you and I have talked all night about second rounders just fine with us. Um, I still think Harrison Barnes is number two. I still think that he is the exact combination of trade a good dude while his asset value is really high and plenty of teams clearly want him. Um, I think that Sam Amick uh, message this morning is exactly what I want to hear coming out of Monty McNair uh, right now. Hold your cards close to the vest. Tell everybody that you're not going to trade it for nothing and then try and find the best deal possible. Uh, and number three, I'm still going to say Buddy Hield. I think that there is a chance that some team out there really does value what he can bring to a team uh, and really tries to fix uh, what's wrong with his game. Um, and I don't think his salary is so blatantly terrible that an NBA that constantly trades 
contracts that everybody says are untradeable. Uh, you know, I don't think that he is out of the ballpark. So uh, for me, it would be Bielitsa, Barnes, and Buddy in that order. Mm-hmm. What about you? I go with Barnes first um, because, uh, I mean, I can't move past this Boston thing, and maybe it's because I feel like I've been on it for months. Um, but but I, I feel like the Boston deal just makes a lot of sense. Um, and Angel cough up what McNair is, is asking. I don't think it's out of the ballpark. I, I don't buy the reporting of, you know, what Boston has isn't going to do it, period. Um, I, I think there's definitely a deal that McNair accepts from Boston. And I think other, other teams could be interested as well there. Um, but I think that one happens. And the reason I put it ahead of Bielitsa, who I do have it too, is because I think there's, there is a decent chance that Bielitsa gets bought out. Um, that none of the teams are willing to um, cough up one of these minor assets for him. Um, but, I, I mean, I still think there is um, a good chance that happens um, and obviously would be very much happy with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think those are the obvious one, too. And then for three, um, you know, I'll say just for the sake of maybe getting a little bit spicy because I think he's right there with heel, like I, I think I'm putting Rashawn Holmes. Um, and, and it would come down to – Again, as I feel like I've said 20 times on this episode, um, if McNair understands that the market is going to be too much for Mershon Holmes, and I think I just want to make it clear, like I would not be shocked to see it happen. I, I would be a little bit surprised, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. Like I'm definitely watching for it. By the way, it should be illegal for Shams and Woj to tweet anything right now that has anything to do with Sacramento <laughs> that is not a trade. Because, uh, yeah, it should not yeah. be allowed. Especially not since the entirety of the Sacramento fan base has them both on uh, notification alert. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that you know maybe maybe in closing, if there's absolutely no deal done, this say it's just Bielitsa for a second. Are you? How do you feel? Um, I've said constantly that I hope deals are um I hope that Monty McNair doesn't leave a good deal on the trading block to try to make some silly attempt at the playoffs at this point. Um but I honestly think that I trust Monty McNair at this point too. If he doesn't make a trade it's because the offers for Harrison Barnes and Buddy Hield were not good enough and that he thinks he can get better value in the off season. So uh, I will be disappointed but I will understand and still have optimism going forward. That is where I would be at, too. I would definitely be disappointed. Definitely, definitely disappointed. But I would talk myself into the logic of it. Um, as you said, you know, Barnes and, and Heald are probably just going to get more valuable with time. Um, specifically, Buddy. Barnes, there might be an argument the other way. Um, you know, this might be his peak value time. And again, the Boston situation makes a lot of sense of them getting this year and two more years out of it. Um, but I would talk myself into it. And then the home steal, um, you know, I mean, I would also convince myself that, okay, maybe they're working, that the idea is you sign and trade him this offseason. Um, so, yeah, I would talk myself into the logic of it, but I definitely would be disappointed. I feel like one of Barnes, Heald, or Holmes needs to be moved at this deadline again i could talk myself into it if it didn't happen but i'm definitely looking for one of those three to be moved but yeah i think um 
that about covers everything for our, our our trade deadline primer here. We are nine days away at the time, or I'm sorry, we are, is that right? We are nine days. Apparently I can't count um, away from the deadline at the time of recording this. It is on March 25th and guys at the King's Herald are posting any sort of rumors that come out there and uh, going to be doing analysis, I'm sure, of any deals that eventually do happen on there as well. So definitely check that out and take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. Um, do you have any final thoughts here, Bryant? Remember, everybody, that this is smokescreen season. Only believe it when you see Sam Shams or Woj uh, tweeted out there and take everything else with a massive grain of salt. Definitely. And uh, we'll be doing any coverage that goes on with with any sort of deals, obviously going to be staying on top of it here. And I'm really excited to dive into draft content. I've been doing a lot of draft research recently. I I know you're always doing that as well, Brian. We got March Madness coming up here, so we're definitely going to be on top of that probably as soon as trade season ends here. Again, uh, it's going to be, you know, maybe not in regards to the product on the floor for Sacramento Kings basketball, but it's going to be a very interesting and entertaining time right now over this next month. Um, So hope you stay tuned with us here at Kings Pulse. Um, And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means a lot and does a lot for us. And if you enjoyed, you will hear from us again in the next couple of days here.